0: Well, good morning, church, and Merry Christmas, everybody. It is beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Some of you all look pretty Christmassy today. I've been decorating houses the last couple weeks. It's been lots and lots of fun. Uh, I hope that as you're getting ready for Christmas, you've got a plan for which Christmas Eve service you are coming to. Everybody got a plan? I've got the times up here. Thursday, December 23rd, 7 p.m., and then December 24th at 1, 3, and 5. So get your plan. Invite some people. Uh, We talked about that last week, that we serve a sent king, which means we are a sent people. Do you know who you're sent to? Uh, Have you talked to them yet about coming with you to Christmas Eve? I hope you have. Make sure you're on that. Um, mind your course, we're in the middle of this. Uh, you heard Billy talk about it. Uh, this end of year offering thing, everything given in December, in addition to all the money from our budget that goes out the door in December, before it even gets to our budget, 20% right out the door. I hope you will plan for a, a significant gift in December. It helps us end the year strong and helps us do a lot of good in our community. So make sure you're thinking about that and making plans about that. As we Think about the big question, the big question of Christmas, which is who? Not what, not when, but who? And Jesus himself, part of his ministry on earth was to give us clarity about the who question. That's what we talked about two weeks ago. That Jesus came so that we would know who he was and who God was and who we were. Last week we looked at the name Christ and discovered it's not a nickname for Jesus, but a radical claim that the promised anointed king had come and was Jesus. And the promised anointed king would keep all of God's promises And we're just going to keep asking the question today, who is Jesus? Part of the reason we have to ask the question is because Jesus asks the question, right? He pulls Peter aside and says, who do people say that I am? And then he says, who do you say that I am? And he wants you to know the answer. I hope some of you have got a chance to participate in our Advent devotional this year. It's a little different. It's a set of ornaments. You get one out each day, and it's to help you spend some time working on this question, thinking about who is Jesus. In fact, today's message is taken from Ornament 14. You won't get to hang it up till Tuesday if you're following along. By the way, if you haven't grabbed one of these yet, we've still got sets of ornaments out there. Uh, small, whatever they're not, they're not very expensive. Grab one, grab a bunch, give them away as gifts, whatever you want to do. Um, because we want you participating in this. Not because they're pretty ornaments, although I think they are, but because we want you to know who Jesus is. And if you grab one today, on Tuesday, you'll get to hang this one. And it says, shepherd. And on the back it says John 10, 1 through 18. It's in real tiny print, so you'll need your readers um, when you you read it if you're old like me. But it does say John 10, 1 through 18. The ornament sends us right to the Gospel of John. Um, The Gospel of John is uh, one of the books of the Bible that tells the story of the life of Jesus. Uh, It's a little different than the other three, though. It's a rather unique perspective and much of the unique material of the gospel of john is all about the who question i mean it's got a lot of the same stuff the other gospels do but it has some unique stuff and the unique stuff in the gospel of john is laser focused on the question who is jesus If you've got a Bible with you today, open it up to John chapter 10. If you've got a phone with you or a tablet, just Google John 10, or maybe you've got a Bible app or something. We're going to spend a little time in there, and I want you to be able to follow along with me. The words will also be up on the screen. John chapter 10, Jesus shows up. And I'm so grateful to Laurel. Laurel, you're going to totally understand this image after Laurel explained how the shepherd would build a circle of rocks and leave an opening where the shepherd themselves would lie down to complete the wall as the gate. You'll, you'll totally understand this text. John Chen, verse 1. Very truly I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate but climbs in by another way is a thief and abandoned. bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. The sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them. and The sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger. They'll run from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. But remember, Jesus came so they would have clarity. So he wasn't satisfied that they were confused. So he he goes in again to try to explain it a little more clearly. And he gets a little clearer. Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. That's that image Laurel just explained to us. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. He goes on further. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand who is not the shepherd, he doesn't own the sheep. He sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because he doesn't care for the sheep. He's working for a paycheck, you know. I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them in also and they also will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life of my own accord in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me. I lay it down of my own accord. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. Again, the Jews were divided Because of these words, John John says again, because if you look throughout the gospel, every time Jesus tried to tell people who he was, it split the crowd in half. Now, I want you to think about that. Every time Jesus tries to tell us who he is, it splits the crowd in half. Because some believe him. You are who you say you are, Jesus. And some can't believe what they just heard. And that's what happens here. Many of them were saying, he has a demon. He's out of his mind. Why, listen to him. Others were saying, these are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? I want to notice a couple things about this text. Uh, In some sense, we're not going to dig very deep. We're just going to kind of let the text say what it says to us. This stuff about the gate... Right? When Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. Uh, whoever enters by me will be saved, will come and go and find pasture. Uh, Laurel just explained the historical reference to you, right? The, the shepherd, what it was actually physically the gate. You couldn't get in without going by the shepherd. I had an experience once that reminded me of this text. Um, when my son Evan was just beginning to crawl, it's like 20 years ago. Uh, we lived in a in a house. Uh, his his nursery had dormers in it on the room that kind of stuck off. These little tiny squares that stuck off the main room. And he woke up every morning about five or five thirty. But I wasn't quite ready to get up. And so what I would do when he would wake up and start hollering, you know, I would get up, and we had put like foam down in the dormer and kind of put the foam on the side so it was totally padded and I would set him in that little dormer and then I would lie down across the opening pillow on my head and go back to sleep and he would just crawl around in that little spot and I knew if he tried to get out he'd have to go over me and I would wake up and and it worked for like six months it was awesome and then he did figure out he was able to pull up high enough to look over my body And he could see his toys in the rest of the room. And he would kind of pound on my side until I would get up to get him his toy. But for six months, it was the dream. You know, I could get him up, put him in this little square. And and every time I did it, I would think about this text. That's what Jesus is saying. He's just saying, you're in a safe space. And with my own body, I will protect you from the dangerous world that you aren't ready for and you can't handle, whatever. And, And then, of course, when it's time to get up... I got up and I went with him into this world and kept him safe. I also love, look there at the end of that, verse 10, he says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I I just want you to know that today. I mean, again, I don't really have anything to add to the text except to just let you know. Jesus wants you to live. Jesus wants you to have life. There are so many people in the world who don't really care about you very much. But Jesus does. And he says he is the gate. He says, I'm the one who will let you out to find pasture. And and, and I would just kind of say, you know, I don't know where it is right now that that you want to walk toward life? Like, you know, I mean, can you, can you think of that? Like, I wish I could walk toward life in, in my relationships. You know, there's some brokenness in my relationship. That relationship feels dead right now. And I wish I could walk toward life. And Jesus just says, I'm the gate for that. Like, I'm the way. Like, the way you're going to walk toward life is going to be through me and the, the, the paths that I would lead you on. Sometimes we get stuck in life, right? Like banging our head against the wall, trying to get out. And all the time there's a gate. It's just that the gate is Jesus. Like, you know, know, if if you're trapped in the pen, the only way out is through the shepherd. And that's as it should be. That's there to protect you, you know? Evan wanted out into the wide nursery where there were plugs in the wall and things that could hurt him. But, you know, my body was right there he had to pound his way out through his dad and that kept him safe so i would just say jesus if you know if you're heading toward life jesus is the only one who can take you there if that's what you want he goes on the next thing again i'm not going to add much to the text i just want you to hear what it says he says i'm more than the gate more than just the way to life he says i'm the good shepherd the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand who is not the shepherd and does not on the sheep, he sees the wolf and runs away, but not the good shepherd. Verse 14, I'm the good shepherd. I know my own, my own know me, and just as the Father knows me, and I lay my life down for the sheep. We need to be clear and have thought some with some discernment about the difference between a hireling and a shepherd. A hireling does what they do for the paycheck. And when the cost of the task exceeds the salary of the pay, they quit their job, which makes perfect sense. The logic of the hireling is totally sound. Like, I'm not trying to bust on hirelings, okay? That logic is totally sound. It's just different than the logic of the shepherd. The logic of the shepherd does what they do for love. And so there never will be a time where the cost of the task exceeds the price of their commitment. See The logic is so different. We get so used to in our world of interacting. I mean, it's just in our world, sometimes everybody you interact with is a hireling, right? You know? The the, the leaders of our world, like, we like, I mean, yes, I'm glad when they do good stuff, but none of them have offered to die for me lately, you know. And it often feels like they're just in it for them, you know. And Jesus just says, I'm totally different than that. It's a completely different approach. This, uh, this, This illustration he uses is a direct challenge to the leaders of this day. Because everybody there knows that he is making sort of an oblique reference to a text from the Old Testament, Ezekiel 34. Where the prophet Ezekiel accuses the leaders of God's people and says, You were supposed to be shepherds who would sacrifice yourself for the good of God's people. But you have become hirelings. You do it for yourself. You oppress the people for your own benefit. You tax the people for your own wealth. You abuse the people to raise your power. That's what Ezekiel 34 says. And I think many human leaders stand condemned by this text. I say, well, honestly, one of my greatest fears as a person who has some arena of leadership is that, that, that one day I might fall into this trap that Ezekiel describes. And Jesus says, there are hirelings all around you. And what hirelings do when things get bad is flee. But he says, but I'm not like that. I'm a shepherd. And the way you know you're dealing with a shepherd is that they'll die for the sheep. That's that's how you can tell. That's how you know. It's like the little song I learned as a kid. Um, Jesus loves me, this I know. Some of you learned that little song. Pretty little song. And that, that's, that's his whole point. That's his whole point here. Hirelings do it for the paycheck. Nothing, nothing wrong with that. I do some stuff for paychecks. Some of y'all do too. But the shepherd does it because he loves the sheep. I remember my grandma... Um, Once at a VBS or something I went to where she was teaching. She was teaching on this text, and she taught us all a little, I don't know if you can even call it a skit. It's so short, but she taught us all a little thing that I've never forgotten. I probably learned this when I was eight or nine about about this text, about John 10. She was trying to explain John 10. She said, if you ever were to ask Jesus, Jesus, how much do you love me? He would say. I love you this much. And he would stretch out his arms, and he would die for you. That's what she taught us. I've never forgotten that. I can picture my grandma doing it. you got to know who Jesus is. He says, I'm the gate. I'm the only way in to where you are safe, and I'm the only way out to where there is life and all other paths headed in crazy directions. All other paths, are just beating your head against the wall, trying to get out of the sheepfold, and the gate's right there. The gate's right there. And then he says, I am the shepherd. Now, look with me farther in this text, though, because I want you to notice how the people react because remember, like I said, in, in the Gospel of John, whenever Jesus tries to tell him who he is, it always splits the crowd right in half. Look at this, John 10, verse 19. Again, the Jews were divided because of these words. And I just want to be clear. My guess is, my assumption is that that same division is happening right now. My same, that same division. I just assume that same division. Because these are big claims. Jesus is the gate, the only way that opens to life. You know, some of us have another route, and i like, pretty pretty—I've got have got a path. I'm pretty sure that path is going to head toward life. And Jesus says, "No, I'm the path to life. Every other path is a path of destruction." That's what Jesus, you know. And so, so he said it divided them because of these words, verse 19. They said, "Some said he had a demon. Others said this isn't how a demon talks, and can a demon open the eyes of the blind?" Part of the reason this claim of Jesus, I am the good shepherd, was so divisive in that moment and splintered the crowd in two. Part of the reason it was so divisive is because they knew the Old Testament very, very well. Not just Ezekiel 34 and this oblique criticism of the leaders who led as hirelings, though they should have been shepherds. Not just that. They knew that when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd... He is drawing on a, a biblical tradition that says, God is the good shepherd. It's all over the Old Testament. Uh, Psalm 95, "For He is our God, and we are His people, the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand." Psalm 100, know the Lord is God. it's He that made us, we are His people, we are His, we are His people and the sheep of His pre. Pastor, Isaiah 40. God will feed his flock like a shepherd, he will gather the lambs in his arm, carry them in his bosom, and gently lead the mother sheep. And we could do this again, we could look at dozens like this. And so Jesus knew that they would know that when he said, I am the good shepherd. He isn't just talking about his character, that he has the character of one who loves and would die for those he loves. He's also claiming something about his identity. He's claiming he is God. And it's not a subtle claim. Sometimes we say, you know, Jesus never said he was God. This is clear. Everybody there knew what he was saying, and this is why their reactions are so strong, for standing before them was one who says, I am the good shepherd. And and if we don't know everything that the Old Testament says about the good shepherd, we won't know who Jesus is. And remember, that's the whole point of this series, is so that we know who Jesus is. And so maybe Let's just look at at one of these. We're just going to look at one of these references to God as the good shepherd, which Jesus now claims describes him. It's one of the most well-known passages in Scripture. It's awesome. It's beautiful. And I love the fact that we know it, some of us. But right now, I just want us to read it again. And again, we're just going to very simply say, what do we learn about Jesus? Because Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. He's claiming that the Old Testament descriptions of God as a good shepherd now apply to him. And so let's just look at this one passage. Some of you will know it and, and think about Jesus a little bit. The 23rd Psalm. If you've got your Bibles with you, why don't you turn to it? And like I say, if you've got your phone out and you're looking at the Bible on your phone, uh, look at the 23rd Psalm because I, 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 want you to, I want you to see. I just want you to just ask yourself. I mean, really the simplest way, you almost don't even need me up here. I, you just, just go to the text and say, who is Jesus? If Jesus says, this is me, this is who I am, now you just go to the text with me and let's just find out who he is. I, I, there's so much to learn about Jesus from this chapter. And everything in this chapter, he claims for himself when he claims to be the good shepherd, not the hireling working for a paycheck, but the shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. I mean, you, you could, here's, here's something you could learn. You could learn that Jesus is the source of all provision. Jesus provides for us. Right there at the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Uh, Some translations say I lack nothing. Jesus provides all you need. I I don't know if you're having trouble believing that today. (laughs) Maybe you're like, if that's the case, I don't think Jesus got the memo because there's some stuff I need. And I just want you to say everything you need, Jesus provides. That's, That's what he says. It, it, who is Jesus? It, well, if this is who Jesus is, it means Jesus leads us, right? He, he leads us. I mean, look at all this stuff. He, he takes me to green pastures and then still waters. He leads me in right paths. He, he takes me to all the places where I need to go. I just... I just want to tell you, you know, we, John talked two weeks ago about how figuring out who Jesus is will change how you live. That by itself might just change your life. If you just said, Jesus intends to lead me, and you could just say, for the rest of my life, when I'm trying to figure out where to go, I'm just going to ask myself where I think Jesus is going first. And I'm just going to go wherever Jesus goes. I'm going to let Jesus, lead me. This is so. This is such a spiritual struggle for us today. So many people I know, including myself, the the center of their spiritual struggle is whether or not they will let Jesus lead them, because the 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 uh, the, the moment of our world, the, the all the idea of our world is telling all of us that we ought to be autonomous. Lead yourself. You are in charge. Your own instincts, your own feelings, your own desires, that is what gives you your direction. And and here the Bible says that there's a very different way. The shepherd is the one who directs the sheep. And Jesus says, this is who I am. And man, I I bet some of us this morning have to wrestle with that. Like, are we living as if there is a shepherd who leads us? Or are we living as if we sheep are in charge of our own direction, our own destination, our own plans? It goes on. I love, uh, it says, even though I walk in the darkest valley, it says, "Your, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Uh, This image of the rod and the staff, these are are not just metaphors, they're tools. The staff main tool was for redirecting the sheep, correcting the sheep. And the rod's main function was for protecting the sheep, for beating off enemies and defending. Do you know that That's who Jesus wants to be in your life. Jesus wants to correct you and protect you. A person can walk with a little bit of confidence if they know they've got a shepherd like that. Right? You can say, Jesus, I'm going to do my best to follow your leadership, but when I get it wrong, I'm going to count on you to correct me, Jesus. And when I get in trouble, I'm gonna count on you to protect me, Jesus. That's what this text says, right? Because remember, it starts out, you're going all these great places, green pastures and still waters and right paths, and that's awesome. But then in verse four, we wind up in some not so great places. And now what are we gonna do? And, And the shepherd is there and says, I've got this because I am prepared to correct you and protect you. That's who Jesus is. Uh, you know, I'll tell you, the other thing we learn about Jesus, because he is the good shepherd and he wants us to know who he is. And again, you know, it's got to be super clear. I know sometimes you're like, you know, how can we know that they, that they would have known Every person Jesus talked to would have had this psalm memorized. Like, nobody hearing Jesus that day would have not known Psalm 23. They would have known it. They would have known what it meant and what it said about God. And then Jesus would have said, all that stuff is about me. I'm, I'm, I, will, I am the one to lead you. And I am the one to correct you. And I am the one to protect you. And I will always be with you. Did you catch that in the psalm? Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil for you are with me. That might be the promise of your shepherd that you need most earnestly today. Just to hear again the promise that Jesus is with you will never leave you or forsake you. He led you to the green pastures and he led you to the still waters and he is with you in the dark valley. And then it goes on and he says, oh, and by the way, I will do this forever, eternally. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever understanding who Jesus is it'll change you I will just say just on a personal note I mean for what it's worth um, thinking about Jesus as shepherd is is right at the heart of my prayer life I mean just I don't know if that's useful to you Uh, but this little list I just gave about lead correct protect be with, um, provide. This is how I pray, uh, one of the ways. Psalm 23 is very useful in my prayer life because it describes who Jesus is. Uh, And so I would, maybe that could be useful to you. Maybe this Tuesday when you get your ornament and you read John 10, you'll also jump over and you'll hear, see Jesus say, I am the good shepherd. And you'll jump over to Psalm 23 to remember what that means. And maybe you could just say, good shepherd, would you provide for me? Good shepherd, would you protect me? Good shepherd, would you lead me? I don't know, I... Maybe that'll be useful to you. It's been useful to me for for many decades now, actually, to use this psalm as a way to direct my conversations with Jesus and kind of build my trust in him. The big question, of course, isn't who do I say Jesus is? It's who do you say Jesus is? Jesus shows up, and he says... I'm the gate, I'm the way into the sheepfold, I'm the way out to life. He says, I'm the good shepherd, by which he says, "I," which he means I am God, but he also means that I am here to provide for you and lead you and correct you and protect you and all this stuff. That's what Jesus says. And on the day he said it, it split the crowd in half. Half said, you're not leading me. I'll lead myself. You're not protecting me. I protect myself. You're not correcting me. I stand on my own two feet. And half said, I think he's the good shepherd. I think he is the shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. I think I could trust him. I think I could follow him. I think I could obey him. I think he would provide for me. I think he would protect me. I think he would never leave me. And he would let me live in his house forever. And that half, well, they became followers of Jesus. And as best I can tell, that's all still true today. When you hear who Jesus is, It splits the room in two. And some say, I don't buy it. It's too much. I don't need a leader. I don't need correction. I don't need provision. And some say, I'm all in. And so I'll just say, we're going to sing here in just a second. I'm going to pray for us. I'll just say, maybe I'll talk to two groups real quickly. if, if you once said, I think he is my shepherd. If, if you've kind of become a follower of Christ, I would just urge you this week, would you re-engage with Psalm 23? And just say, am I really letting Jesus be the one that provides for me? Or am I scrambling on my own? Am I really letting Jesus be the leader of my life? Or am I making a lot of decisions that, based on what served me? Am I listening to his correction? Am I trusting his protection? Am I reaching out to his presence? And if you're not, do it. He's the shepherd. It's, it's who he is. And to everybody else I, who hasn't made that commitment, I just want you to know that knowing who Jesus is still divides the room. And if you've never said, I want to trust my life to the good shepherd. I want him to provide for me and lead me and correct me and protect me. You could do that today. I'm say, just a second, I'm going to pray. We're going to sing. I'll be right down front. If today's the day you need to say, I want to follow the good shepherd. Just come find me. Let's do that. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for the reminder of who you are. The images are so simple, and we need that. I pray for some people here today who need to let Jesus lead them. They've gone their own way. They're trying their own strategies, and it is not working because only the gate opens to life. And so I would just pray they would let Jesus lead them to still water and green pasture. I pray for some people today who need to let Jesus correct them. They have fallen into error and sin. And in their defiance, they have stuffed their ears to Jesus. And they need to hear the voice of Jesus. To feel the staff pull them back to the right paths. I pray for those who need to know that Jesus is with them. To know that Jesus protects them. For we go through scary places, God, and we need your presence and protection. And I pray that all of us would, in this moment, make the decision we need to, to trust Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.